You're listening to Level Up with Melissa Zalouf from Iron Source. So welcome back, everyone. I'm Melissa Zalouf, and you're listening to Level Up, the podcast for people who love making, growing, and of course, playing mobile games. And for the first time ever on video as well. Uh, Today, we're kicking off a new mini series all about an exciting trend that everyone is talking about, blockchain gaming, or at least it feels that way. And for the next few episodes, we'll be joined by my new co-hosts and blockchain experts, Anton Backman and Kenrick Dreikonen. Dry, did I get it right? Also, no, no. It's all right, guys. He gave me permission to, to screw it up ahead of time. Uh, who are both from, uh, from Play Ventures. Thank you both uh, for being on the show today. It's awesome. Awesome to be here. Thanks for, thanks for having us. So in today's episode, uh, we're going to be starting with the fundamentals of blockchain, NFTs, and play to earn, um, sort of like a blockchain gaming for dummies episode. Um, but before we dive in, uh, both of you, Anton and Kenrick, uh, tell us a little bit about yourselves, um, how you got into the gaming industry, uh, why and how did you become so passionate about blockchain gaming? Um, and Kenrick, you can go first, because I screwed sure. up Sure, sure. Um... So uh, I'm Kenrick, I'm Dutch originally. Um, I live in Singapore though. I've been here for the past 10 years. Um, primarily worked at early stage startups here, including a gaming company back in 2011, which was called Nonstop Games. Uh, we made mobile games. We were acquired by King Digital back in, in 2015. Um, and then I joined a early stage VC called Golden Gate Ventures here in Singapore, from where I started a a small crypto venture fund called Lunex Ventures and been investing from there for the past couple of years uh, before reconvening with one of the nonstop games founders, uh, Hendrik, who now runs Play Ventures. Um, and we saw the opportunity in, in crypto and blockchain gaming uh, early last year. And that's why we started this new Play Future Fund uh, that we just launched uh, last year. Nice. And um, I've been with Play for the past couple of years, initially joined as a venture partner in early 2019 to focus on, on the fund's early blockchain gaming investments, while simultaneously being an operator in crypto for a few years before joining joining Play full-time. Prior to Play uh, and the crypto scene, uh, I founded a pre-seed firm during my university years, backed by the founders of Supercell, Skype, and some other Nordic entrepreneurs, uh, mainly do games investing at the time due to the strong strong mobile scene here here in Helsinki prior to prior to that before I started started university spent spent a lot of times and unhealthy amounts playing World of Warcraft mostly on the competitive side of things so that was kind of my sort of initial initial thinking back then that I, I I'd like to have my my professional life also somehow intertwined with gaming mm-hmm um, and, and tell us why you guys are so bullish uh, on blockchain. What are you sort of most excited about uh, in the field? Yeah, so I think um, blockchains in general, they provide a completely new infrastructure for uh, startups and entrepreneurs to build new solutions. So this obviously started with the invention of Bitcoin back in, uh, in 2009. Um, but ever since it has expanded, right, into smart contract platforms like Ethereum and now there's all kinds of other chains. But we can now basically do that was not possible with Web 2.0 is make assets programmable and exchange them peer to peer. So um, that also means that you can actually own certain digital assets, whereas previously all content on the Internet is basically owned by some kind of centralized party, mostly Google, Facebook, Amazon these days. Um, mm-hmm. Through the use of blockchains, now you can take control back 
of those digital assets towards the end consumer, the end user, uh, or the end player in the case of blockchain gaming. And that just opens up a whole new, uh, yeah, like a blue ocean basically for developers and game designers to come up with interesting new solutions that were just not possible before. So it's a completely new infrastructure. We've seen kind of blockchain and crypto uh, starting to disrupt financial services. Um, and now it's moving into other, uh, other industries as well as the industry matures. And now game designers can also benefit from this. And we're still really early in this development, right? A lot of these blockchains are still slow and difficult to use. And the UI UX is complicated, um, but we're solving for that. And now developers are starting to come in and, and design these new game uh, and virtual experiences. So yeah, that's why we're super excited. It's a really early nascent industry, uh, mm -hmm. but the opportunity is just enormous. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think echoing Kendrick's comment there, I think, um, we're still very much in the early innings of understanding what we can do with with open and, and and shared databases in terms of what kind of products we can build on top of those obviously already a lot a lot in tech has already been commoditized on a, on a more general level with with sort of increased api access and, and not developers not having to build the whole stack uh whole stack of their own but but we think this kind of brings that to the next level of of um founders and, and developers being able to build an open open and shared data layers and even more of that kind of stack that people still need to build in-house will be further commoditized while also being able to access a pool of a large pool of users already and i think that that composability of compo composability component of of crypto and, and and blockchain in general is is kind of the big the big promise and the big opportunity and then also as, as kendrick mentioned um gamers uh, already being quite quite accustomed to similar environments uh, we think the leap shouldn't be as big uh, for, for the players but obviously it's, uh, it's important for us also to, to stay critical about kind of how to actually improve the user experience uh, both for both for developers and players and and we're seeing some early early signs of that but but a lot is still yet to yet to figure out in this space tm composability component of crypto you had it here first. <laughs> um, okay, so I, um, I'm, I'm hoping, right, that many of our listeners are already familiar with the basic concept behind blockchain gaming and NFTs and play to earn. But just in case you haven't spent the last several months um, scrambling to understand these concepts and catch up, like me, on maternity leave, um, let's kick off this episode um, and the series with some sort of like clear definitions. So first of all, uh, what are we talking about? in one sentence or less, when we say uh, blockchain gaming, which one of you is going to take it? In, in one Neither. sentence. <laughs> uh, so I would... Two sentences or less. I would maybe sort of overall categorize them as games that utilize a blockchain or, or blockchain components to a varying extent. You might have a completely off-chain game where most of the game logic and everything else runs uh, runs on the on the gaming studio's own own servers and infrastructure, but then the game's economy and uh, the payment rail for transactions in game might be might be might be on the blockchain and then sort of fully auditable and then obviously composable with uh, with other other parts as well. Or then on the other end of the spectrum, you might find these currently more experimental games that are currently running fully on chain, where all of the in-game logic and all of the all of the actions being made by players also being run on-chain uh dark forest would be an example of this kind of uh this kind of a game it's it's an rts where where basically everything everything the players do re re require an on-chain transaction which 
obviously makes it also it it brings its own challenges in actually interacting with the game and using it uh whereas in these games that mostly run off chain but have their economies uh, on chain they, they maybe resemble a bit more the the mass market games we see currently because um you with that you can still kind of simplify a lot easier how to interact with those but that's i would say the general uh, um, description in my opinion that there's at least some component of the game that is running running on chain chain uh, and it's it's i mean both of you also have um talked about blockchain more generally um and it's been around for a while why is it having its moment in gaming now yeah i think as i touched on previously um it's a it's a very new kind of concept uh, both from a technology technology point of view and how you interact with it and how you use it and also like the mental framework of uh, of what it is right to actually own digital keys and like what does it mean to uh, to self-custody assets and how does a blockchain work that just takes time generally to propagate through the market uh, so that's one just general understanding and the second point is the uh, just the technical uh, feasibility and readiness of a lot of these blockchains has not been there uh, I, I would even argue it's still not there today uh, because it's such a nascent technology so it, it took a while for those two factors to catch up and we're starting to see both of them kind of Maturing, yeah. mm. And obviously we had some, we had some tech technical hurdles still, uh, still up until maybe early mm. or last year, even though we had a lot of, we had some of the scaling solutions already available prior to that. Uh, but that obviously has removed some of those things that made, made it still infeasible a few years ago. Um, especially recalling the incident, I think it was in 2018 when, when, uh, Ethereum got clogged up by crypto kitties in the beginning, even though the only kind of gameplay if you will, in that in that product was was the breeding component, but it still managed to clog up clog up the network, and I think that's just also been kind of a catalyst of, of the discussion in, in in the game developer circles about kind of what what do you want to keep on chain and off chain, and I think we've found a better sweet spot there um, right now, uh, and um, products still look quite different if we look at the whole space as a whole. I think if we look at more kind of Western oriented products such as NBA Top Shot, which that came along in a big way uh, early last year. Uh, obviously, it's not it's not a game per se, but if we look at the wider kind of NFT collectability, I think there's some light kind of gotcha collection gameplay elements also also in, in, in that product. But but it was it was kind of it was very well obfuscated the whole crypto component for for, for the end user. And you had a bunch of these sports card collectors engaging with Top Shot without actually knowing that it has anything to do with crypto, as uh, Dapper Labs had mm -hmm. had gone on, gone a long way to really obfuscate that. So it's not kind of uh, evident in the experience. But if you then look at some of these play-to-earn games, mainly Axie Infinity, that really took off last year. I think it was a combination of obviously them nailing down the token economics for that product that they found a they found an audience that. Um, uh, that it really resonated with uh, and um, managed to get into this economic flywheel, which then eventually ended up in in a lot of lot of protocol revenue uh, for Sky Mavis, so the company behind Axie Infinity, uh, but also then a surge of a surge of new users as the model lended itself to to very strong uh, word of mouth and and organic growth through that. This kind of point this is not it's not on the list of official questions but it, it sort of it springs what you've said now just just makes me think of it how much of an educational challenge do you think there is um 
from a user perspective, right? How, how, um, what do, what do we need to bring about really wide adoption, um, from a player perspective of blockchain games, right? Who's playing them today and how do we get more people to play them? Because you talked about kind of, um, certain games that had elements of blockchain gaming that were obfuscated and other games where it was much more a sort of like a central part of the experience that users were aware of is the goal to sort of um, embed blockchain technology without necessarily needing to make players aware that that's what happened, that's what's happening, or actually do we want to create, do we need to sort of bring about a certain level of awareness on the player side too? Yeah, I think it's always a combination of both, of course, right? But uh, I, I think to, to reach mass adoption, you need to obfuscate uh, almost all of that technology, but the concept still remains that you can actually own those digital assets in a game and then you could potentially use them for something else outside of that game um, that as a concept that will take time uh, to educate people uh, people on the actual uses of the technology and then how we make that possible that we is kind of up to us and developers to obfuscate um, and as with any new technology I think you've seen it uh, in the vicious reaction of some uh, other game gamers or uh, even discord members uh, who kind of are up in arms if, if anything if any company wants to do anything with nfts it's a very natural reaction that most or like a lot of people have to any new disruptive technology we saw this with the internet itself i'm old enough to remember the 1990s when mm -hmm. people were were up in arms around the internet and how it was going to destroy our planet and uh, lead to all kinds of nasty things. Um, same thing, reaction here. Um, so that's no different. It, it will just take time for people to see the benefits. And then if we obfuscate it and make it actual beneficial for the players, then people will, uh, will appreciate it. And maybe also on the note of kind of increasing, increasing the market and, and, and the type of user, I think with some, with some, some of the early play to earn games, uh, I think it's sort of arguably a, a big incentive for those players was was kind of the flywheel of earning earning within within those mm -hmm. games and having it as a very strong motive uh, to also play those games uh, in order to maybe reach more kind of mass adoption especially in the western markets and in the in, in the sort of east asian markets that have a bit more kind of a core core gamer mentality uh, i think mm -hmm. why what we also believe the game needs the games also needs to be fun on their own obviously it's it's it, it i don't on another note, I think I don't think it's I think I don't think there's a point of looking at the the game. Is it fun in a vacuum? Because the economic component will also also uh, it will always also be a part of, of of that game. But but sort of prioritizing overall fun experiences. I wouldn't see, uh, for example, these free to play free to play players sort of solely playing this these games for the economic component, but because of their fun and then it, the economic component is kind of an addition. It makes it more interesting. You feel these players would feel more engaged, more vested into the games they're playing, uh, but still not sacrificing on the on, on, on the fun. Right. Um, jumping ahead, what are DAOs and decentralized publishing, and how do they impact games? Oh, I've stumped both of you. Oh, DAOs. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, it's, pro it's pronounced DAOs. I'm being as noob as I possibly can. <laughs> um, uh, what are DAOs? DAOs are basically an, uh, an organization. You could say it as a, um, as a corporation, uh, but native to, uh, to a blockchain or native to the internet, if you like. 
it's like a corporation, an organization, a group of people with a bank account, if you like. And the bank account is in this case is just a smart contract, typically uh, on Ethereum. So uh, people can organize themselves, can distribute tokens which represent ownership of such DAO uh, to the users of the DAO, and the DAO itself can own digital assets. So this could include gaming assets uh, or just Ether or anything else, uh, if you like. Um, so it's a new way of uh, for people to organize and to have a bank account. So if you want to see an interesting uh, case study on this, it's uh, the Constitution DAO, where uh, a group of internet trolls went wanted to buy uh, one of the original U.S. constitutions. They were eventually outbid by a hedge fund manager, but it's a very interesting story of, uh, of how quickly people around the world can organize themselves to a DAO and, and raise money, basically. Yeah, I think, I think, I think actually, I just, want, I just want to underline sort of Kendrick's, Kendrick's comment there and, and the importance of, of, mm -hmm. of these DAOs not being any kind of mythic, mythic structures uh, or somehow sort of very new in that sense. I think if we look at if you look at a traditional corporation, it's it's just a set of contracts. It's it's I mean it's employment agreements with your employees. It's it's a shareholders agreement between the shareholders. It's um it's partnership agreements with other companies. Essentially, it's also just a set of companies at the end of the day, a set of contracts and the people around it. And 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 the DAOs kind of bring this, as Kendrick said, they're internet native. Similarly, you have smart contracts in place that if about how to organize within the DAO how to reward, for example, input uh, in that DAO. But instead of, for example, the Finnish, so the Finnish trade registry would not recognize DAO, a DAO as a legal entity. But then we would, how we would look at this is that if Ethereum is a jurisdiction, then they are recognized as companies in the Ethereum jurisdiction. But at the end of the day, as Kendrick said, they're just, we would see them as new ways to organize activity or different things could be business activity where they would be very reminiscent to companies but instead of being tied to a certain ge geolocation they are they exist 100 percent of the internet do you think they will be legally recognized eventually um eventually yes i think there's in wyoming if i'm not wrong in the us they are legally recognized already uh but i would assume this would take another decade in, in most other places yeah, I think that's a bit, a bit too, too, too wrap, to wrap the heads around. I think people need to take kind of the full the full 180 to realize that, hey, we've been doing this for, for thousands of years. This is just a new way. This is a new and more efficient way of doing it. Uh, but I think we do need to take that round trip to really sort of wrap our heads, wrap our heads around it. In terms of uh, mm -hmm. decentralized publishing, uh, probably I would then say if we look at it from a... Uh, from a DAO perspective, I'm, I'm not sure if there is kind of a, a unified description around decentralized publishing, but essentially, for example, it could be okay. a blockchain protocol with a set of smart contracts that have been designed around how a publishing marketplace uh, would, be, would be operated with then, for example, the owners or the participants in the DAO, for example, voting what that cut between the developers and and, and the DAO slash the publishing platform uh, would be. But then again, that would likely reminisce a lot of what, what Steam uh, looks like today and what Epic Games looks like today or the mobile app stores uh, with that kind of same functionality built in in the protocol. Uh, but then instead of that one company deciding on, on the parameters 
of the publishing, uh, they would be decided maybe on a more on a more market based um, principle. Um, jumping ahead, so that we because we are running a little bit out of time. Um, how do you think blockchain gaming is going to impact free to play? Is is it going to do? Is play to earn going to do to free to play what free to play did to pay to play? That's a mouthful. <laughs> Um, I, I think um, yes to a certain extent, um, no to another. Like so, I think they will kind of converge, if you like, um, okay. where the the onboarding experience or the first gameplay experience for people will mostly be still be free to play. Uh, the monetization later in the gameplay they might come through the form of NFTs, or later in the gameplay you get NFT drops or. Um, so it will be kind of a combination of the two, and then it will all be a blockchain game, or it will all just be a game, right? And uh, it, it's just an added technology on top that we uh, can now use and make interesting solutions for players. Uh, whether then you call it a free-to-play game still or a blockchain game, it doesn't really matter if if, if it just uses the technology. So we we think they'll they'll merge at some point, and we are starting to see this already with a lot of free-to-play developers now uh, starting to build for uh, for blockchain games mm -hmm. um do you think we there's been a lot of news recently around larger gaming companies um getting into blockchain hiring people to lead blockchain um investing do you think that we're going to see um traditional gaming studios fully transition to blockchain technology and i'm kind of connecting it to something else um that you guys said around sort of like is the end goal to find a sweet spot between running part of the game on chain and part of the game off? Uh, or eventually is the goal, and whose goal is another question, right? Uh, to see all of gaming fully transition uh, to being run on, on blockchain technology. In terms of like two questions in one. In terms of the the existing existing publishers in the market and, and their transition to 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 pay to uh, play to earn or, or, or crypto and crypto enabled gaming. Um, it's, um, I think it's more of a structural challenge that they're facing similar to AAA and premium trying to innovate around free to play in the early days. And if we look at the big free to play companies right now, they started out as startups also during the time. And I, th I think it has probably a lot have, have to do with kind of corporate politics and kind of going outside of the core competence of the company. We have seen these, um, and based on also our chats with existing or larger publishers that they 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 are looking into the space they ha they might have their own experimental units uh, within those companies that are experimenting around different um, uh, different games and, and kind of prototypes uh, for this space but but eventually I think and I think Kendrick agrees with me also that the, the dynamics of a startup and especially if they have the sufficient funding is that they can be a lot faster uh, iterating faster not not being stuck into into office politics in terms of sort of shipping and and that will inherently give the edge so and obviously given that we we invest in in these upstarts so we're also biased biased from that perspective but but we will likely see their entry as well but 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 we think startups will definitely lead the way in terms of pushing out pushing out new successful games and kind of reinventing these business models uh and that, I, I, what was the other part of the question again 
I'm like, is Kenrick going to weigh in? Should I re-repeat my question? Okay, so the other part of the question was, is the end, do you think we're going to reach a place, and it could be 10 years from now, when games are going to be fully run um, on the blockchain? Or is it rather going to be um, like what you described at the beginning of the episode, a sweet spot <coughs> between running uh, part of the game on-chain and part mm. off? I don't necessarily see kind of inherent value in something being run fully on-chain just for the sake of it. Uh, I think it's it's about mm-hmm. being critical about what actually needs to be run on-chain, what makes sense and what, what doesn't need that kind of uh, uh, permissionless nature. I think we'll see a gray zone and kind of a spectrum here as well. Uh, and that's where I think sort of um, as modding becomes more ubiquitous and, and you, we will see modding also outside of PC and hopefully see modding on mobile, seeing more modding on, on, on console, uh, etc. And that kind of a UGC component, I think, goes goes a lot hand in hand with, with sort of game developers also probably. They might open source some of the other stuff they do that doesn't necessarily have to be on-chain. I do think core components like the economy of the game is something we're likely going to see on-chain and, and sort of more being hap- happening around that. Uh, but um, as... There will be decentralized actors in, 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 in crypto, such as the kind of the ubiquitous crypto protocols that we're seeing. Obviously, Ethereum of the DeFi protocols, such as Uniswap, Maker, Compound, etc. As is, those are more kind of API-like services. But, um, but we will also have the centralized actors. Uh, but the dynamics will just be, be a bit different. But, um, but all in all, I, would, I, I, would, I wouldn't say that it's kind of an end goal, but but it's, it's really about prioritizing what the best user experience is. And are there certain game categories that are better suited to blockchain tech, um, either infrastructure um, or, or kind of the economies are better suited um, to, to a play to earn model? At least at, at, at least at this moment, I think where we've been interested in, in, in sort of exploring opportunities would be would be game categories or genres where we were kind of Modernization is already tied to progression a lot, uh, where there is kind of um, as as um, maybe the more, more popular gaming NFTs actually affect the gameplay instead of being just skins or or, or other cosmetic items. So, so games in the midcore category, uh, RPGs, forex, uh, the, the wider strategy genre, uh, I think those have been and, and generally very sort of whale driven categories uh, that we think could be interesting in, in, interesting in this. Uh, for 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 using for for using blockchain and having these players being even more vested uh, into the games in, in, into the games that they're playing, uh, and um, potentially that could also open up these games for a larger audience, as, as these games are mostly mostly targeted for for the whales that are playing these games and all the all the live ops and the subsequent content is also very strongly tied to this. Uh, but um, as um, one thing I'm curious to see is how how the mid-core games of the of the future will kind of incorporate these play to earn guilds that, that, that have come about. So you might have uh, a whale player that's been playing mid-core strategy games for for quite some time. They might be have been playing forex for, um, for 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 a long time, but instead of that um, that whale player purchasing the gems directly from the developer. Uh, that player might be purchasing all of those resources that are needed for progression from other players that are putting in more of their time to to farm those to farm those resources, uh, and 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 therefore you bring sort of a lot of player liquidity, and you could make it a bit more lively also in terms of, and, and kind of enhance the social component also of those games by having very different kinds of players that are able to contribute to the game and the economy. 
but that's at least one category and genre that we think is going to be interesting in the in the near to to medium term. Henrik, I saw you open your mouth at the beginning of the when I finished the question. Anything to add? No, I would fully agree with uh, with Anthony. <laughs> <laughs> um, what are the main challenges right now for developers building blockchain games? Um, understanding of of the basic concepts of um, uh, of what uh, crypto and blockchains actually are, and then kind of choosing the the technology stack that's right for them. So often it's the question of like what chain should we actually build on. Um, and also like then how do you design your game like around uh, this concept right and then how do you integrate it uh, into uh, into into an actual blockchain so i think it's it's a the technology the technology stack and then also be the actual game design how do you design a game uh, that incorporates these elements to it because it, it it does in in certain cases kind of require you to to also rethink the the in-game economy because it's one thing to have an in-game economy that is kind of centrally managed and controlled by the developer it's another one that's completely open and free or maybe not even completely open and free but some of the assets might be open and free uh, and you get a market price for those that imp impacts your game so you have to really think about that those things carefully before you uh, kind of release it into the wild so there's like a technology and a cognitive challenge yeah exactly <laughs> Um, and last question, uh, what are some, shameless plug, blockchain game projects you guys are most excited about <laughs> that you can talk about? Mm, well, maybe if, um, obviously we're excited about our portfolio investments, but maybe if I have to choose something from outside, outside that sphere currently, there is um, a very early, early stage game that is sort of getting getting some traction mainly across across crypto twitter and then the nft circles called called uh, crypto raiders uh from a gameplay perspective it's still core gameplay is quite simple reminiscing kind of an, an old school jrpg uh in a lot of aspects uh, but they managed to to build kind of an early very engaged community around that game uh and it's also interesting from the perspective of, of um, how how the player how, how they keep players engaged with the wider game economy instead of only playing the core gameplay mainly around their own own token design and the staking programs they have for those uh, and I, I think that's going to be also an interesting uh, topic of study for a lot of the free to, free -to play developers as, as we've been mainly kind of designing games for for people to only interact with kind of the game itself and there, there really isn't kind of a wider ecosystem around it but um but some of these early, more crypto-native teams that are maybe a bit more proficient in the token economic design, community building, and, and building all of the other stuff around the core and the metagame itself. Uh, but but from that perspective, I, I I think it's an interesting one to follow, and I think it'll provide provide learning stroke for other developers as well that are now looking into into this, getting into it. Yeah, and and since Anton refuses to shill our own portfolio, I'll I'll do the <laughs> I'll do that. Metasoccer. Try Meta Soccer. I yes, think that's, what, that's going to be one of the, uh, a, a great example of a, of a blockchain native game experience game design team. Um, now building a kind of a blockchain game first uh, as a fantasy football uh, game. So they're they're launching sometime this quarter, if I'm not wrong. Um, yes. So keep keep an eye on that Meta Soccer. Yeah. Uh, keep your eyes peeled. <laughs> 
Um, all right. Well, that uh, brings us to the end of our first episode in this new mini series. Uh, thank you both uh, for uh, being here with me today. And tune in next time, guys, because these two experts will be with me on a few more episodes covering blockchain based games. Thank you.